I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadandi and Bibbulmun people of Wudichup in the southwest Bujara region in Nungabuja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 89. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. And today I have the pleasure of chatting with Love Honey director and head of operations in Australia, Rob Godwin. Rob is responsible for day-to-day commercial operations and performance, as well as growing the Love Honey brand in Australia. Rob's role at Love Honey is diverse and encompasses creating, developing, and implementing a multi-level business plan and strategy to ensure the successful operations of Love Honey Australia while accelerating its year-on-year growth. Rob manages a 30-strong team with four departmental heads covering customer service, warehousing and distribution, online trading, PR and marketing, finance, and buying. Rob established Love Honey Australia in Queensland in September 2013 from his spare room with one staff member. Previously having run his own business, The Love Group, Rob successfully tended the 50 Shades of Grey license in association with the UK company Love Honey Limited. The 50 Shades of Grey range is now one of the company's most successful product lines. Rob's career has been highly focused on implementing and overseeing strategies to drive revenue growth and raising the profile of the adult industry. After studying a Bachelor of Business Administration at Lancaster University, Rob moved into marketing and strategy and has worked his way up to CEO of Sexpo and Club X stores. Since starting Love Honey Australia, he has been featured in international publications and was on the industry board for six years. He encourages his team to take pride in their work, recognizing and celebrating their successes, as well as striving to drive the business forward. Outside of work, Rob is a keen amateur boxer and marathon runner. The father of two likes yoga and is a local junior football coach. And you can find uh, Love Honey and Rob by extension through their Instagram, which is at lovehoneyau or Love Honey's website, which is lovehoney.com.au. And uh, I've had an absolute uh, ball working with Love Honey over the last almost two years now. And it was really nice to connect again with Rob. Um, Even though he is the head of operations, uh, we still have a a pretty uh, close relationship, which I think is really, really fantastic. Uh, And so in in this episode, the two of us, we talk about the history and the future of Love Honey, uh, as well as what it's like to be a leader uh, for the world's largest online adult retailer and um, what what comes with that, the stigma and the success, the taboo and the uh, challenges. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation. It's nice to, to be able to kind of learn what goes on behind the scenes at a company like Love Honey or an adult toy retailer. So I really enjoy this conversation and I hope you enjoy listening. Today, I'm going to be discussing an activity that some of you might find embarrassing. However, I assure you, there is nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't seem to me that you have to go straight to intercourse, or that you have to go all the way at all. You can't have sex in a good relationship without both partners being involved in contraception. 
Uh, and I start all the podcasts with an invitation. The invitation is uh, just uh, extending it to you. I'd love to hear a little bit about who you are, what is it that you do? And I'm also really interested in what you're passionate about as well, Rob. So that's my, my invitation to you. I'd love to give you the floor for a few minutes to share. Cool. Yeah, Rob uh, Godwin, director of Love Honey Australia. Been in uh, Australia for about 20 years now. I've got two cracking little lads, uh, Jack Jack and, and Levi. Um, I've been involved in that industry um, for almost uh, the entire time in Australia. And it's just a real privilege and honour to, to run a company like Love Honey. I'm the sole director over here. Uh, we've recently grown from eight years ago with one staff member uh, in my spare bedroom to now we have 5,000 square metre warehouse. Uh, we dispatch over 15,000 orders, maybe 50,000 items a week. Um, operations start at 7 a.m., finish at 10 p.m. every day, seven days a week. And I think the, the key thing for, for myself is creating the Love Honey family, of which you're part of as, as uh, one of our ambassadors, Cam. Um, but I'm just in a very, very unique and, and honored position to, to, to support my team, to support our extended family within Love Honey and to, to, to really conquer this industry, both in terms of content, in terms of the service we provide, but also just changing the premise, changing the conversation, making people empowered in their sexual lives, uh, empowered in, in, in getting the best out of their sex life, but also being comfortable, being able to talk. And that's what really drives you forward um, as a person and, and as a business leader is, is just being relevant being present and um, and just having fun as well. I mean, our, our lives have been under such pressure the last few years and the world has been turned upside down. I think it's even more imperative now is for me as a business leader is to support my team, but also to, to create a positive workplace, create a positive team and a positive business where people do aspire to. And, We've um, we picked up a number of awards in the last couple of years, and I think that's a reflection on on just a, a great team culture and, and, a, and a great business, really. Mm, yeah, beautiful, man. And what about your your passions? Is your passion to to continue striving in that leadership kind of capacity, or is it something else? Um, I, I am an extraordinarily passionate person. I think as uh, our, our mutual friend Tash, who's our marketing manager for Love Honey. Uh, we'll, we'll say sometimes too passionate. Um, the, the kind of key things in my, my work life is diversity and inclusion. We work a lot with disability charities. 12% of our workforce identifies having a disability and we're striving to uh, making that over 25%. Um, that we will come on later in this podcast to the difficulties of actually being able to, to to, to live up to that expectation and that, that desire. Um, we work with Dylan Alcott an awful lot with uh, the Dylan Alcott Foundation. We have the sexual wellness grants uh, to encourage um, <clears throat> students with disabilities to further education in sexual health and wellbeing. And that's $10,000 per year, uh, which is we started this year and, and we rolled it into 2022 as well. Um, and also, one key area which we look for is supporting mental health as well. Um, we've done numerous surveys within Love Honey um, looking at sexual health 
and physical health and mental health in a direct correlation. So we work with a company called TX, which is called This Is A Conversation Starter. And they're part of Trademark, which is really funky workwear gear. And they're very good, close friends. And not only do we raise money for them through what I'm passionate about is marathon running and, uh, and boxing, um, but also um, all of our staff get kitted out in their workwear gear. All of our staff have free um, EAP, um, uh, mental health counselling, as standard, uh, unlimited uh, as well. And we also have like free gym membership. We have PT that comes in. We have free fruit uh, and protein shakes every day. Just that trying to create a really holistic uh, approach. My other passions, though, I'm a mad diehard Chelsea Football Club fan, so I'm delighted at the moment that we're conquering the English Premier League and, uh, and Europe. If I could take three things back from my mother country, it would be Chelsea Football Club, uh, my mum, and a good curry. Uh, there's, that's in, everything else you can keep in England. I love being Australian. I always say I'm Australian when I travel the world, when we're allowed to. Um, but yeah, um, sport is a massive passion. Uh, I'm a keen amateur boxer. Um, my nose has been broken far too many times, I can recall now. doesn't start the ruggedly good looks. Um, and I think the most important passion in, in my life is my sons. Um, watching them grow as young men, um, I think the best thing I've ever done in my life, but I'm, but I'm not love honey, not the awards we've had, is making them into really good little human beings. And they are. They're... they're they're very pleasant. They look after their mum. They look out for me. Um, they're courteous. They, they try their hardest. And, and they're, passion, they're passionate about things that they love in life. And you, I don't think I can ask much more uh, as being a, a, a parent as well. Yeah, that's really beautiful, man. Thank you so much for sharing. I, um, I definitely want to speak to you a little bit more about being a father uh, and, uh, and being in the, the position that you're in, the role that you hold in, um, in the company of Love Honey. But I'm actually curious about how you entered into Love Honey as like, you know, starting, like you said, in the spare room with one other person. Uh, like, how did that come about? What was the kind of origin story of, of you and Love Honey? So I met uh, my, my ex-wife in the Sunday Islands. She's from England as well. And I'd left um, England to watch a rugby game in Australia and never left, really. Uh, I was a man who went to be here for three months. And that was obviously 20, 21 years ago. So um, as part of her visa, she was an engineer. And we always had a balance. And we always did have um, why we moved to Brisbane. Uh, we moved to Melbourne and to Brizzy, but we moved for our jobs and... Um, uh, we've always given each other equal weighting. So um, when she moved for, to to uh, head up Foster's uh, CUB, um, engineering uh, production, uh, I said, jokingly, I'm going to get into adult film and toys. Uh, because I done some research in the UK and I saw it as a, uh, a high margin, low volume kind of turn of the business. And... Um, so she went, yeah, 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 thinking I was joking. I wrote to the biggest adult film producer in Australia and they said, uh, yeah, we should employ you. And it helped that he was a Liverpool fan. So we just talked football for 90% of the meeting and I got a job. Within a year, I was uh, head of marketing um, and licensing 
and I became a director of that company. And that's the biggest wholesaler in Australia. So that's really how I got into it. I traveled the world um, signing uh, adult film companies and um, uh, toy manufacturers. And during that process, I met Rich and Neil with the co-founders of Love Honey. And we just were mates. We just used to hang out, being the kind of English chaps in LA and, you know, some, some Americans you love, some you don't. And so we used to just hang out and go out for dinner. And they said, oh, anything we're going to do in Australia, we should do it with you. And I said, yeah, anything we do, vice versa. And they rang me one day and said, um, we've got a project. Can we have some help? And it was Fifty Shades of Grey. So we pitched for it together. I knew E.L. James's licensing manager, and we won the global contract. And so we distributed Fifty Shades of Grey within Australia. And part of that, I kept pestering them to turn their website on. So I could see there was a lack of competition in, the, and their whole concept when they created Love Honey was customer service. Uh, free returns, um, 24 customer service, 24 seven customer service, uh, non-salesy reviews. The sales staff don't sell your products. They're just there to help you make the right decision. So it's a very different culture to the porn, shall we say, arse and tits kind of look of most adult sites um, 18 years ago. So um, I pest them to start it. I said, no, nah, Love Honey's too to, you know, Australia is too small for Love Honey. It's like there's 30 million people. You can dominate the market here. So they actually turned on the website reluctantly to, to shut me up. And uh, the first weekend, I had a phone call from Richard, the co-founder, going, uh, we've missed 70 phone calls this weekend already. How quickly can you set up an office? I think you might be right. And that was it. Um, we set up the office next day in my spare bedroom and moved three months later because we couldn't get a lease for a building. Looking back now, we're a $1.2 billion company and no one will give us a lease because I was a pornographer and they wouldn't touch us. And it's only through a mutual friend that had some office space that said, if you're friends with friends, then we'll give you a go. Within a year, we moved out of that building to a bigger building and we were shipping everything from the UK at that stage. And then, um, yeah, we... um, we got about two and a half years in. We did a documentary for Netflix and for SBS called um, Frisky Business. And they were filming a doco of us growing and moving. And we um, decided that um, the only USP, our competitors, had the speed of delivery. But it would take about four or five days to ship things from the UK by FedEx to Australia. And it wasn't really environmentally friendly and it was costly. So we, we opened our DC up in uh, Brisbane, Eagle Farm, on the first of all, we got shipped on the uh, 4th of July, 2016. And at that stage, we do about 200, 200 250 orders a day. Now, we this week, being uh, cyber, we'll do over 25,000 orders, probably close to 100,000 items in a week. So, you know, uh, so that eight-year gap, Gee, it's been hard. Uh, lost a lot of hair, lost a lot of sleep, um, but it's been an awesome journey, um, and, and something you can be very proud of. But also, um, we have changed the industry for, for the better. We have brought in excellence in customer service, and 
we've had a bloody good time doing it as well. Really have. And like with me, you know, people like yourselves, it's great to expand our family, like Chantal Otten, Brian Cole. These are people not only do we love to work with, but we we admire, we 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 look up to, and it's it's that mutual respect of where we are as a business. We we're very humble, we're not arrogant at all, and and we wanna we wanna push the industry forward really. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that, man. And and that was kind of one of the reasons why I was super excited to come on board with Love Honey as well was the um, the the difference between the way that Love Honey and you guys are like, I suppose, you know, torchbearing for like sexual wellness and sexual happiness and, and just sex toys as well. Like in, in, in terms of like, you know, that being a, a major part of Love Honey, of course, compared to and you kind of mentioned it, you know, the tits and ass kind of websites and, and adult shops that aren't very, like they're just there to just peddle products essentially, right? They're just, it's just, um, I kind of get the vibe that they're kind of in it for the wrong reasons. And I did get that from Love Honey. I was like, these people are trying to like really create a culture here, trying to change things, trying to do something around sexuality, which is something that I really aligned with as opposed to, you know, um, yeah, these other other adult companies that I've seen, I'm like, uh, you guys are just in it for, you know, the wrong reasons essentially. So that that was something that I really aligned and resonated with, and, and I'm I'm excited about where Love Honey's going as well. I'm excited about all these projects you've got. We, we um, you are not that sex is important at all, but you are our first man ambassador. Um, Chantal was our first uh, ambassador, and it and we took a lot of time and due diligence to, to make sure that when we do work collectively, and it is a, a collective mindset, that people do share the brand values, they do share the aspirations. And there's many people who have come to Love Honey going, we want to work with you. And we said no, because it is that they're too commercial. They're, and don't get me wrong, we are business, and we, we need to make a profit, and we need to grow. We've just had a merger with Wowtech, uh, and that's, we've gone, and it's crazy, we had, 28 staff when I started in the UK and one staff here in Australia. Um, now with the merger of Wowtech, we've got 740 staff eight years later in nine global offices around the world. And it's like, wow. <laughs> wow. So um, where I think Love in Australia excels in our global family businesses is that family structure. And it is hard. It is hard to maintain when you are growing so fast. I mean, we grew 76% last year, which is just insane. Like we've gone from uh, just under 30 staff before COVID. Um, we've got our 70th staff member this week. It's just like, that, that scalability is insane, but you've got to keep bringing it back to the core. And that's about working uh, collectively with people of a similar mindset. Mm. And I really like that story of like you're a, you know I think you said 1.2 billion dollar company couldn't even get a lease right because of the stigma and and I'm wondering you know even with this this massive um, increase in you know staff members and recognition and just kind of prominence in this space is there still do you still notice a stigma do you, do you still find maybe people you know go oh you're you're the you're director of Love Honey like that's not a serious job or it's not a serious kind of um it's not a, not a serious business like is there still some stigma that you experience even though the company is what it is now 
Um, this is, uh, you asked originally what my passions are. This is one of those, is changing people's perspective, and we are doing it, but it by, is nowhere even close to being equitable now. Like, we can't advertise on Facebook. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg does not like the adult industry. Uh, there's a new filter on Google now to stop. We are class, classified under hardcore pornography and illegal drugs, the same classification, yet we're sexual wellness. There's direct correlations between a positive sex life and positive mental and general health. And yet we are still caught under, oh, you're adult in the way it comes, you're you know, porn, and we're not. We are, there's nothing wrong with porn if people enjoy that, but this is, we have evolved the industry. I went to do, I do a lot of fundraising, so I raised over about a quarter of a million dollars personally for different Google charities. And I got, we picked up last year the National Retail Association Innovation Champion for two years in a row from how we're developing the industry. We picked up Australia Post's uh, Best Pure Play Online Retailer, beating companies like Iconic, Temple Webster, uh, Koala, Super Cheap Auto. Like these are billion dollar companies and we're, we're, we've been there. And yet I got invited to do a very famous um, dancing with CEOs competition with the Lord Mayor in Brisbane and they asked me someone asked me if I wanted to do this I was like absolutely I cannot dance I will be a laughing stock but if it raises money for women's uh, legal aid for domestic violence 100% that's absolutely completely aligned to our brand values and to who we are and I got declined because I'm an adult <laughs> so I was like hang on but we're, we're advocating equality, we're advocating diversity and inclusion, we're a female-dominated industry, um, uh, three-quarters of our directors globally are female, um, majority of our uh, leaders in Australia are female, I'm the only male director, it's, you know, we are female-focused, and yet I'm getting declined for doing a charitable exercise because I'm in the inverted commas adult industry. Um, I went to a seminar where I was a keynote speaker and um, I actually, uh, a person there was just like, why do you work in such an industry? Just as like a throwaway line. Like, because A, it's brilliant. B, I love it. And C, it's lucrative. Why wouldn't I? Uh, even when I got the, um, there you go, this is our charity fundraising, I did the marathon for the mental health charity TX, and the lady that embroidered this with the, our sponsor, which is Main Freight, and obviously Love Honey, she said, oh, you're from Love Honey? She said, why would you work for them? like, <laughs> because it's my company, brilliant thing. She looked at me like, but it's adult toys. And I'm like, yeah, you still get it. But I've got to say, though, the industry is changing. The, the community viewpoint is changing. Whilst government are still very restrictive, whilst councils are still very restrictive, the general population, and specifically during COVID, has embraced their own sexuality, has embraced the need for a positive sex life. And also, even like with Fifty Shades of Grey, the opportunity to talk about sex, the, the, import, the, the opportunity to talk about the importance of sexual well-being has, I don't think it's ever been higher. So I think as a community, we are growing and we are accepting. I just think there are 
facets of society that still um, struggle to come to terms that if you're orgasming, it's wrong. If that works, and I think if you're thinking that that's wrong, it's to change their mindset. It's to change that. And when people say like, you can't advertise on Facebook, you can't advertise on social media. Um, I get complaints about our TV commercials having same-sex couples in them, which is abhorrent, really. I mean, I can't believe in today's society I still get complaints about illustrating interracial couples or homosexual couples. They are, everyone's equal. And um, people say, how do you counter this? And I say, I advertise more. I do more to to push the point even greater. I do more podcasts. I do more interviews. I I, I do more charity events to get the brand out there to see to show people that this is acceptable and it is normal. And everyone, if everyone had a good orgasm, we'll be in a far happier world. Really. Yeah, yeah, I one hundred percent resonate with that man and and totally agree. I um I, I definitely want to circle back to that maybe towards the end of this conversation about like you know, uh, advertising and the future of Love Honey and maybe even talking a little bit about Web 3.0 and, and if you've kind of you know, considered that in terms of, you know, transitioning into into um, into the future of the the, the business and, and the adult kind of industry. Um, but for, for for now, before we get to that, I'm, I'm curious about sexual happiness and like, you know, obviously we've, we've kind of spoken about sexual happiness and, and what that kind of means. Um, in the context of love, honey, but I wanted to to maybe get your own personal kind of opinion on what sexual happiness means, and um, and like what it is that we can do um, to strive towards sexual happiness, like individually and then also kind of collectively. Yeah, I think sexual happiness is a very wide uh, and encompassing uh, subject. Sexual happiness to, for one person can be um, just being content uh, in, their, in their own sex life. Uh, sexual happiness as well can be within uh, if you're in a couple's relationship, whichever orientation that may be. Um, and to other people, it can be a lot lot greater, a lot more detailed. I think that the key element we always strive for, I don't really mind who does what, how and to whom. As long as you're happy in that and you're doing it with consent and you're doing it in a positive manner and you're buying products from Love Honey, uh, then that's great. Um, and that's where our diversity and inclusion is absolutely um, prevalent. I think one of the key things for us as a business in um, sexual happiness is illustrating that the full spectrum of people's orientation, their size, their shapes, their who, you know, doesn't matter. It's completely irrelevant. And one of the key things which we did a number of years ago was to always have um, uh, a point of having both base and plus size imagery on lingerie. And that's our core audience is 25, 45 heterosexual couples, most of which are in de facto or have children, etc. And sexual happiness, I think we touched on it previously, was that goes through different stages in life. And the fact that as a major retailer, major um, a, a driver for change is it's in our duty to illustrate all sizes, all shapes, all um, styles. And that's why we have a, a, a policy, unlike a lot of adult brands, is we don't put up the size six, false-breasted, blonde-haired, 
supermodel. Yes, we do have some images like that on the website, but it's always done on the equal basis of, and there's no differential between who's a base size and who's a plus size. And that's a massive thing where we call out where there are some very well-known big brands in Westfield shopping centers and online who do, you have to be that looking size six, tiny waist, false dress. And quite frankly, that's not our core audience. Uh, our core audience is in relationships, um, probably having gone through parenthood. And that, I think, is a massive topic in sexual happiness changes as you change, as you get older as your, your life experiences change. My sexual happiness is, is very greatly from um, being a young pommy in Australia, loving being here, the sun, the sport, um, very uh, being uh, heterosexual, very good looking female. So I'm like, this is, this is a country for me. Um, and then I met uh, my great um, uh, wife at the time. And even as she was English, uh, it was, we had kids and our, our sexual um, happiness changed overnight. I had a, a pretty traumatic birth with my first son and he almost died. And suddenly, what was your sexual happiness evaporated? And you had to reconnect. You had to find that purpose again. You had to find the, the mindset to, to get back in. And, and a lot of people ask me, how do how do you actually, um, how do you make yourself sexually happy? And a, a, our number one advice I, I normally give is not actually products, it's not actually buying products, it's actually time to communicate. Most of that, uh, your sexual happiness can be derived from communication. And people kind of look at you a bit oddly at, at first and you're like, genuinely, give yourself time. Just time to relate, time to talk, time to express your feelings, time to, to say what you want, why you want it. And people then kind of, it kind of, the penny drops a bit. It's like, it's not about getting the biggest toy. It's not about getting the, the latest technology. It's, it's about connectivity. And once you have that connection, then you can enhance it by, if you want to, bring other products into your own. Uh, sexual lives to, to increase your happiness but it, it's that staged approach and it's fascinating to see people's life journey and their life of sexual happiness as it evolves as you get older now you know I'm still just in my 40s and as a single dad again I haven't dated for 20 years and now I am and it's scary it's eye-opening but it's great fun <laughs> it's um, you know you glow you kind of you do some road crashes you're like right this didn't happen 20 years ago when before I had kids but so you, your sexual happiness never never stops it's just you've got to be very cognitive of of how your mind is evolving how your body's evolving and connecting to people through communication really yeah, I think that's so important to acknowledge, like even that core demographic of 25 to 45 year old, you know, heterosexual couples, that's a huge, like 20 years is a massive, you know, gap, right? From 25 to 45 and things change over that 20 year period, right? Like, and, and I think that's really important for people to kind of just like, go, like to, to recognize because there's definitely 
and like I've come up against this as a as a new father, right? Is like my um, my sex life, and my intimacy with my partner has has dramatically changed over the last. I mean, even over the last um, year, as she was pregnant as well, and going through pregnancy. Um, but but like if if I hadn't if we both, I suppose, hadn't like had the open line of communication and hadn't had like a just a um, a history of speaking about sexuality and intimacy with one another and what that looks like and how we get our sexual needs met um, and what sexual happiness kind of looks like for us and, and have it having it be flexible and fluid then i can imagine that i would be like going well when is this going to get back to what it was before when is this going to get back to this kind of you know this kind of like one one way that sex and sexual happiness kind of looks like and i think some there's some definitely companies out there and definitely people out there who kind of i guess perpetuate this idea that like here's what your sexual happiness has to look like and if it doesn't look like this then there's something wrong and um and so i love the idea of like just acknowledging change flexibility um diversity and um and this idea that you 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 will have fluctuations in what that looks like and it'll be challenging at times and and you know what do you do during those challenging times how do you get back into that space of sexual happiness for yourself and um like across like just across the lifespan as well like there's just so much i think there's so much value and that's why i really like what you've just said in acknowledging fluctuations in like your sexual happiness and your sex life and and just the way that you express your sexuality because that's not acknowledged enough in my opinion so i think one very simple thing is this your, your mobile phone turning it off like i i stopped getting um notifications now after work for emails because it was just interfering with my personal life and my you know sex life because you're getting a te- an email at 10 o'clock at night from the uk or from from berlin and you're responding and you're getting out of the zone you're getting out of the the, the focus on your partner uh, if i'm brutally honest i think that having had parenthood and having created my own business and started love honey that probably the key factors to the breakdown of my, my marriage. And, and now that my ex-wife and I do get on, um, we have a very good co-parenting and we've related back to each other through communication. We've acknowledged that we just lost connection. We lost that ability to communicate after our second child. And that's really that. And, and I think that's a massive eye-opener for me to uh, whoever, if I stay single, if I repart in the future, is to talk, even if it's in the first instance, maybe a negative context in terms of addressing issues, is not a negative if you actually are expressing yourself, if you are being relevant, if you are being true to yourself. And um, yeah, it's, you know, we, we, we've had some heart to hearts with, with my ex wife, and I hold her in the highest esteem. She's a great mum and she was a great wife and partner. And yeah, we basically blew it from just not talking. Uh, we had 4,700 different products we could have selected from, from the warehouse. But without communication, it's somewhat meaningless. And uh, she still gets free products, so she's happy. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's so cliche, hey, communication is key. Like it's, it did, But it is the bedrock and the cornerstone of like, and the foundation and all those other, you know, words for your sex life, right? And you like you you said it perfectly, you can you can buy all these products and you can, you know, bring them into you know your sex life. But if you don't have if you're not talking to your partner about how to use them and what feels good and like what you know you're you're 
excited about and, and what your boundaries are and where your limitations are, then all those products are going to, I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to work, right? They're going to do what they do in terms of functionality, but they're not going to be utilized in the, in the most, you know, um, you constructive need, way possible. You need that foundation. I mean, I'm assuming, uh, as, as, a, as a new father, I mean, uh, you said you experiencing that, that change. I mean, what, what techniques have you done to try and improve that communication? Hey there, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure-oriented, We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. So this is is something I've spoken about a few times, but it's... um, Like the first is is like setting aside time to have conversations. and, um, And, you know, when we were childless that just looked like okay cool let's just go let's have a conversation tonight now we've got a a little baby who has you know a lot of energy and who needs attention we plan conversations around his nap so we'll go for a walk and we'll have a conversation when we go for a walk or when we go for a drive and he's sleeping um in the the back seat um then we'll, we'll have a conversation there so that's always been something we've prioritized is like setting aside time to actually talk about something rather than trying to speak like in spontaneously in the moment right I, i'm a big believer in scheduling conversations and scheduling sex as well um so that's been a strategy that we've employed is um is kind of planning uh, another thing as well is like um like i said we've kind of always been open to the fluctuations and flexibility with regards to intimacy and what that kind of looks like for us uh, and so um something that i um like have had to uh, i suppose like honor is my partner's like her feeling of being touched out like you know she's always got a little baby on her so she doesn't want a lot of like she she does like cognitively want a lot of touch and affection from me but then if that kind of happens her body goes oh no that's too much i I'm, i just want a bit of space uh so our intimacy now looks like maybe less less hands-on touch from me and maybe a little bit more gentler softer touch um maybe some more eye gazing maybe just sitting down being in the space with one another um it's not so um, like the touch isn't so explicit, I suppose, maybe as it was before, before babies. Um, so that's, that's, um, like we've talked about that obviously, and we've ex- explored that and experimented with it, like recognizing that, um, like there's a really beautiful practice called pleasure mapping, which is like figuring out where in your body that you experience pleasure and doing that with a partner. And so we've done that like before children. Now we've done it again after children and the way my partner's body uh, experiences pleasure differently because she's gone through birth and she she had an emergency cesarean so she's gone through major surgery as well so you know the there's some trauma still in the body so like figuring out okay well it's numb in this area and and now i'm feeling a lot more arousal in this part of my body like exploring that has been really really powerful for us um but again both of those two things just require a lot of communication i suppose so um but th- th- those are the two strategies that we've like really lent on is like talking about things and then also like 
you know, exploring different types of touch and, and expanding that. Like there's an analogy that I use, which is the erotic menu. So just adding more things to our erotic menu to choose from, right? Instead of there being just intercourse and penetrative sex, it's like, what other meals can we choose? What other things can we choose from that meet our sexual needs and that that fill us up, I suppose, in terms of like that that hunger or that horniness or that craving that we have for for like sexuality and intimacy and that's been a that's been a big um part of our journey um and that's always shifting and changing we're always adding new things and revisiting old things and um incorporating all the toys that uh love honey sends me incredible amount of um toys i've got my, my you can't see here but my shelf is just here it's just got like all the toys on it all spread across um and so that's so this leads me into my, my next question for you actually is um like how you how do you navigate being a father and um I, I don't know if you feel comfortable disclosing the ages of your kids but i, I won't um uh but being a father to to sons and um and you know being in the, the the role that you have i suppose like that's something that i'm thinking about navigating now and myself so i'm definitely curious to hear how you've done it and and what your thoughts are on it um my boys are Jack, uh, Jack, Jack, he's 15, and Levi is 11. Um, from having uh, been uh, CEO of Sexpo before uh, I started Love Honey and Club X store, so I missed that in between. So we did uh, wholesale distribution out of films. Um, and that's when the boys were, were first conceived, and then Sexpo and Levi came along. Um, never hid that away from them. Um, uh, never shied away from what I do and, and how I did it. So with sex mode, um, whilst it was a very lifestyle orientated show, we used to get the boys into the, the, the show before the, um, the show started, put them on stage, put the TV cameras and introduce that we had motorbike, like Cressy Deems perform. And so they just thought daddy ran a, a, a motorbike and TV show. Uh, and but but also not you don't want obviously sex toys lying around everywhere etc but equally being very open with them um when it got into love honey and they were growing up uh again it was dad mates sells uh, adult uh toys toys for, for adults for, for sexual pleasure and we never from day one hid them away from that so when whilst they come to work and they actually have part-time jobs in the Christmas holidays of making boxes up so they'll go in the boardroom and there will be toys in the boardroom but we've just done it where they don't really care it's just to them it's like okay you know um the eldest I think is a bit more can get a bit more embarrassed because his mates they're all mature they're all becoming young men they're all going through puberty um but we have a very open dialogue with them, both myself and their mum, in talking about sexual health, talking about sexual, also sexual happiness. I think the focus a lot in schools is about the, the health, 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 STIs, pregnancy, etc. Rather than the pleasure, rather than the sexual well-being, the, 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 the positive side to balance with the precautionary side as well. So, um, yeah, some of his mates are kind of like, oh, you're, you're the dad that sells the, the, the dildos. And it's like, yes, but if you want some, shout, completely stumps them. We, we've had, uh, I think that the, the key asset for both myself and their mum is res respect. Um, so they have a very mature and, a, and a quite a beautiful 
relationship with her and they do they don't do not talk derogatory about women uh, or homosexuality or anything we've always we took them on equal love rallies when they were babies um, we helped to create the Australian Sex Party with Fiona Padden. She's the first MP in the Upper House in Victoria. That's now the Reason Party. And from an early age with, with Jack, it was like, why are we here? I said, well, at the moment, you can't marry if you have a, a boyfriend, if you're a, a boy or if you're a girl and you want to marry your girlfriend. Uh, if me and your mum can marry because we're opposite sex. And the quizzical look you got then was, why? And it's like, exactly why there shouldn't be any difference. And I remember uh, Jack and say, I can marry a girl, but I can't marry a boy. I went, yes. And that's why we're here to change that. And he looked at us for a moment and went, can I do both? And I was like, absolutely, just like your mum. And there uh, <laughs> was that again. You just suddenly had a very mature uh long-term discussion with a child where you've helped to seed uh the positive viewpoint on sexuality we've had many conversations about you know i found uh porn on their ipads and their phones and we just had a very open conversation about it it's like why is it um you know we like to look at breasts or penises and okay but let's just put in a context that's not real life if you want to watch that, okay, we can we can discuss that. But that's not real life. That, um, what we do, what we sell, you have to have that relationship first. You have to have the communication first. So we had the big chat about um, pregnancy and STIs, etc. And we always have condoms, and they're on the top of my uh, wardrobe uh, uh, cupboard, and they're there. And uh, when we had, I brought back 144. I think in hindsight, it was probably a mistake. Um, and uh, that, that many. And my 15-year-old at the time was, um, oh, Dad, it's so embarrassing. I'm like, no, but let's be frank about this. You know? You're getting to the age where you, you, you can uh, might want to become sexually active. And absolutely, that's a positive thing. But try not to um try to always have safe sex so they're there if you want them and it's like okay it's a conversation over and yes but come talk to me anytime so he wanders off and Levin just looks at me and goes okay dad cool how many i'm like how many what i mean how many condoms gonna have <laughs> i'm like right okay they're completely different yeah he's a little entrepreneur levi he wants to <laughs> he's gonna on sell them I told him. Actually, you make it, so you make these boxes at Christmas, and they they do the taping. They put the pack of the the fill pack in the recycle fill pack in the boxes, ready for the uh, the warehouse staff to put the products in, seal the box, put the label on. They just cut down, and they get to earn some money, and they realise the worth of um, the taking the wage, etc. So I was paying them fifteen dollars cash because. I can't put them through the company books and it's not really, it's, you know, I don't have to even work, but it's a good education for them. So Levi turns around to me and goes, I've got uh, two of my girlfriends that are going to come work for you. Yeah. And I'm like, have you spoke to their parents about this? And they're like, oh, you can do that, Dad. And I'm like, okay, so what's the deal? And he's like, um, so I get paid $15 an hour and 
Lisa and Alison get paid fifty dollars each, and that's forty-five dollars an hour. Yep, good maths. Went great. So if you give me forty-five dollars, uh, I'll get them in tomorrow. I'm like, hang on. how much are you paying them? Oh, ten dollars. <laughs> wow. So you're making a cut on your girlfriend. It's like, yeah. And I'm not, at that stage, I was like, you know what? I don't have to worry about your education because you're, you're already an entrepreneur. You're already, <laughs> That's it. And, He's building uh, his own little yeah, business. He did did it with an icy cold stare. And like, of course. <laughs> Just ruthless. Absolutely. <laughs> God, so they are, they are vastly different. But um, I think as we touched on at the beginning of, of the podcast, they are the best thing that's ever happened to me in life by a million miles. And um, I've been offered better jobs, more money, et cetera. But to be a part of their life growing up, to be a part where I can, I tend to leave two or three days a week early, about two o'clock, pick them up, do sport with them, be an engaged father, and then they'll go back to their mums or they'll stay with me. Then I'll go back to work and do meetings in the UK or Berlin uh, or America. Uh, at later at night or early in the morning so I fit my working lifestyle around what's best for them which is a massive massive um, uh, privilege for me to be able to, to to have quality time with them most days of the week and um, it is great it is great to see them shine as, as young positive humans really. yeah that's lovely man thank you so much for sharing and, and there's definitely things that I don't really have to think about too much now because Fergus is only he can't even reach a door handle, so he can't get into my room um, and see all of the goodies that I've got here. Um, but it definitely uh, has got me thinking about things in the future, like how open and and how um, like even just like pornography, for example. Like I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna think that Fergus is never gonna watch porn. I think that's unrealistic to to think that. But like if a conversation around porn comes up at one stage, like is it worth and this is just like off the top of my head is it worth me maybe buying him a, a subscription to ethical porn and you know so that way i know that he's you know doing things in a healthier way or you know i'm just yeah thinking out loud and and how things might might look in in 10 15 years which is really interesting so thanks for that man i'll, I'll probably pick your brain a bit more um uh off the podcast uh yeah that'd be lovely um, I, I am curious about uh, like the future of Love Honey. I know I said we'd circle back around to that. And I guess like the first question I have around that, just off the tail end of what we've just spoken about is, do you guys have any plans to um, like to, to support the education of like teens, essentially? Like, is there any opportunity or avenue for you guys to maybe help support a curriculum or a program or a sex education in schools or for even maybe for parents of, of kids is there any like anything in, in that regard yeah there's it's a, a massive topic of conversation at the moment um we whilst our core demographic is 25 45 petrol couples um you have got uh, a gen z and younger audience growing up who are a lot more sexually aware they are a lot um they're more, a lot more exposed to adult products, adult content, and you have to, and how, and interestingly, during COVID, our biggest growth area was single females under 30, because they weren't able to go out and date. They weren't able to, but they still wanted 
sexual happiness. And so the sale of single items uh, was exponentially uh, the, the, the biggest growth area uh, to, to that demographic. So you've got to acknowledge that there's a, there's a new um, should say generation coming through that you have to educate to in a different way. You've got to market to in a different way. I mean, just purely from the disability side, with, with the sexual wellness grants to encourage disability um, education and further development in those grants. But we are working on a number of projects about education um, and communication for the younger demographics. And it is, I think, where we fail as society is the education in most places um, is poor through school curriculum. As we have those conversations with my sons about sexual well-being and sexual happiness rather than just sexual health. Yes, sexual health is critically important and the kids need to know, as I hold here, the kids, the younger generation need to know about having safe sex, about um, being um, aware of, of um, issues, but also being preventative in terms of uh, avoiding STIs or pregnancy, unwanted pregnancies, etc. But where is that balance? Again, if you look at the European education models, they're a lot more um, holistic, they're a lot more wide-ranging, whereas we still are dominated by if you have sex when you're too young, you will make someone pregnant and get diseases. And yeah, you'll get pregnant and die, the old mean girls meme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we've got to move, you've got to move the, the, the needle, you've got to move the conversation. So we, where we've done that currently is um, we have, we, we push a lot of our own reviews on our website. We have over 300,000 customer reviews. And that's one of the best things you can do for education is not us telling you you've got to buy this product. And that's why our customer service team don't sell. There's no KPIs and they, you've got to promote this product this week. It's all about taking the customer on the journey. So those 300,000 reviews, I think, have got a bigger decision-making process on what you buy from reading similar reviews to similar people than us selling in inverted commas. Uh, we've got over 15,000 um, excellent reviews on Trustpilot. That, again, endorses that just customer experience. But what we are looking at is the whole um, education piece in tailoring content um, with our ambassadors like yourselves. Um, it might sound crazy to say, but people don't necessarily want to listen to a rather good-looking 40-plus pommy about sex toys. They want to be able to relate to people they can aspire to or they look up to. And then people like yourselves where you do your sex coaching, you look at more of the holistic and the, 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 the tantrum side of stuff. Uh, Chantal's got a great audience with young females. Um, we've got Lyra Potter as well. We've got Bryony Cole who talks about sex tech. These are all market, absolute global um, people to, to, to follow where uh, people look, look up to these um, absolute experts including yourself in these fields. And that's part of the education is we will uh, provide a content in a meaningful way where people can relate to it, not just plastering it on an advertisement or on a website. It's about getting that communication through. 
Um, but finally, we are actually looking at some bespoke tailored education programs as well. So that acknowledging the younger demographic, acknowledging that they need education earlier, but done in a very um, professional, but quite astute kind of positioning where they can get it, they see it. And things like we're doing the Museum Erotic Art next week, where we're tying in art and sex toys to again just give a bit more of a art and sexual health they're part and parcel the same thing they're both beautiful they're both uh, in a, a bigger mind uh, mindset really and just providing great content online both through our podcasts through our content on social media you see a lot of what we publish by default because mr zuckerberg doesn't allow us to put a product on facebook or Instagram much. We have to do illustrations. We have to do um, a different marketing collateral to engage the younger demographic, and that's fine. So, yeah, um, I'm the old bastard in the company now at 49. Um, most of our marketing, commercial, and customer service teams are all under 25. And um, sometimes it scares the bejesus out of me. Uh, I just feel so old sometimes, but they are the future of our company. They help steer the business in the right direction to the right audience in the future. So um, it's exciting to see what we have planned in terms of content moving forward. And it's engaging, it's it's cool. And I can't even really old, it's cool. But, it's, it's content which uh, people will uh, align to and, uh, and appreciate. Yeah, yeah, and that's always been um, my experience. Like creating content with you guys has been, you know, there's there's some broad kind of ideas that get you know presented to me from you, and and then there's the um, opportunity for me to go, okay, how can I tailor that specifically to my audience and the people that I know are you know coming to me for certain information or for a certain take on things or for a certain perspective on male sexuality in particular and i find that really um i find that really valuable because it's not just like hey here's what you need to post just post that um which if it was (laughs) i wouldn't be doing it um so i love the opportunity that i get to go okay that's a really incredible topic i think that's really interesting what's my perspective on that how can i how can i talk about it and in a way that kind of really resonates with myself but that's that's what we resonate with is that we want your perspective. We want your relatability to the male audience, to the couples audience, to the holistic audience, because we're not that. We can't be one person to everyone, and that's why we're very fortunate to have absolutely the best, like yourself, like like Shanti, like like Bryony. Um, I mean, it was great. I did a, a digital society talk Christmas special last week in front of about 300 people and they spoke about the value of influencers etc and i was like it's not necessarily the value of influencers it's we we look at as as our brand ambassadors but the 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 perception between the in in uh, influencer value and the reality value can be a million miles apart in that you know, they'll ask for $10,000 for a post and just put up, what do you want me to put up? They're asking that question, 
we know that we shouldn't be dealing with them. Because what do you want me to say? No, no, no. We want you to connect. We're asking you to to relate to the audience, not just typing up something um, which you want us to say. Far from it. If they're saying that, then we that's the wrong influencer for us. Yeah, yeah. I like that, man. I like that approach. Um, and I'm I'm curious if like part of the like um, evolution of Love Honey, especially with like a lot of the young, like under 25 people coming in as part of your like marketing team and um, social media and, and advertising. Is there going to be or is there uh, any ideas floating around with regards to like NFTs or cryptocurrency or stepping into like that new wave of the internet? Is that a thought that's popped up at all? Uh, again, uh, weekly monthly things are are debate. I mean, um uh well warehouse manager got a new Tesla and I was very reticent about you know, oh come on, Elon, all the kind of And then uh, he took me for a drive and I was like, holy right. I get it now. I get that it's a completely different approach. exactly the same in crypto. Uh, exactly the same with sustainability as well. We've got some big announcements coming up with Love Honey in our sustainability and uh, eco uh, policies coming up. Um, just as an illustration, like we did the Love Not War collection, which is recycled aluminium or recycled plastic and electronics uh, and body safe silicon. And we sell that through Flora and Fauna, um, the leading eco online site. And that they sold so fast, it's unbelievable. And uh, now with our merger with Biotech, the premium eco, fully biodegradable uh, pulsating air technology, again, in corn, corn starch bags, all recycled packaging. Um, the growth in that shows you that the audience want and it, uh, 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 the, a, a practical uh, environmentally approach to, to business full stop. When we did the Mindful collection, which was all recycled lace and um, elastics, uh, beautiful range of laundry, which we did. Um, when we put that out, the amount of questions we have back from the consumers saying, prove it. What is your slavery policy? What is your um, fair work policy? Uh, we want to see the, 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 the credentials and you back them up. And it was big, I mean, we do and we have, but it was a big eye-opener for us to say that the future audience won't just accept, and it's hard for us to make plastic and silicon toys, majority, but we have to have always a mindful view on future aspirations. And the future aspirations is to be environmentally friendly, to be at least environmentally neutral at the minimum going forward, and we've got some real key timelines in our business as we've now merged with Wowtech uh, to create the Love Honey group um, that are the key milestones in the future to A, attract the younger audience, B, incorporate things like crypto um, in, in the future, um, but be a company where they can relate to and they want to be a part of. Just selling products on a website now is not going to be viable in five years. You have you have to back up that with absolute solid credentials of who you are, why you do things, 
and and the impact that you have on the community as well as the environment. Mm, I love that, man. And and um, something that just popped up for me because I don't know of anyone that does this. Maybe you'd be able to enlighten me. Is what about you, like sex toys that are used and don't work anymore? Right, rather than getting them thrown into landfill, is there anyone? Or does Love Honey? Is they going to do this? Going to can we return sex toys so they, you know, parts can be broken down and recycled and, and stuff properly? Um, we were actually about ten years ahead of the curve of this. We had a thing in uh, our, in Love Honey uh, where it's called Rabbit Amnesty. If you sent back your, your rabbits uh, in the UK, it got recycled to speed humps. Oh, in, amazing! Uh, yeah. In uh, in the UK, and um, as you can imagine, the sun, the mirror, you know, they had a field day, field day, <laughs> hump day special, etc. Um, so this is um, we've engaged um, some professional um, recycling companies to to order our processes. We recycle our products. We we put them through. We don't put them into landfill at all. Um, but what we want to do is take this to the next level. We want to actually be market leading. Um, but as part of that, you have to then re-engineer a lot of your processes to be compliant. Um, and again, really unfortunate being in the most beautiful country in the world in Australia. And I've had the privilege to travel the world a lot, lived in Europe, in Turkey for a couple of years, and obviously in the UK and America for a bit. This is the most beautiful country in the world, bar none. It, I mean, well, you're at WA, it's just magnificent. I'm in Queensland. But I would say our government is absolutely abysmal in this area. There are no permits, there is no business incentives, there's no um, larger aspects to to encourage companies to, to be uh carbon neutral etc and it's so disappointing just and i'm not going to get too political but just seeing the ineptness of our federal government in glasgow uh conference recently just illustrates how out of tune we are to the global audience but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do stuff and that's why as a business um in the next few months you're going to see some big policy announcements for love honey to be industry leading not just to just to do our little bit to to as we've revolutionized the other industry we want to do exactly the same thing on the environmental side as well so yeah stay tuned it's um there's some great really cool products but we we, we really we don't put any of our recycled products in landfill at all um we get companies to recycle them um but we're going to just take it to another level where we will invite the industry to join us in in doing these programs in the future so yeah, stay tuned. Amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. I am. Um, I've just. I've got a box of my old toys, toys that you know I've collected over the years that just batteries gone or whatever, and they just or they would just wear and tear or um, yeah. So I'm, I'm. I collect those, and I'm like, well, I'm not putting these in there. Perfectly good. Just fix it. Um, uh, there's. Uh, there's there's one more thing I wanted to ask, man. Just as we kind of round this out, is um, you mentioned this right at the beginning is inclusivity and diversity, particularly with people that have a disability. And I think you said twelve percent of your staff at the moment, um, uh, people who, who have a disability, yeah. And you're aiming for twenty five percent. Yeah, yeah. And that's amazing, man. I, I think like especially because of this, the the stigma, the the added stigma that people with disability have with regards to sexuality, like that 
I, I spoke to um, Andrew Gerza actually on the podcast a little while ago. Episode is going to be released hopefully next week. Um, and we spoke at length about sexuality and disability and the intersection between those two things and um, and a lot of the stigma, just a, like a ton of stigma around it. And um, you know, just, I'm really stoked that you guys teamed up with um, what formerly known as Handy. Um, and and now I think it's bumping now, I'm pretty sure, um, which is cool. Um, but yeah, just love that this is part of love honey, right? I love this as part of like the conversation around sexual wellness because and sexual happiness because it, it's it's so needed. So um, a year ago, uh, I, we were introduced to Heather, who's Andrew uh, brother uh, sister, and the co-founders for what was handy now, Bumpin. Um and for COVID, for many reasons, we didn't get to connect. But it's like those sliding door moments where you eventually do, and as soon as you do meet, you're like, this is meant to be. And so this time last year, we launched their book called Handy, a book on love, lust, and disability. 50 stories about love and disability. And some of them are beautiful. Some yeah. of them it's are- It's bookcase just here. I can, I can see it. It's fantastic. Uh, Danny Duzel, who's an illustrator in the UK, uh, fantastic illustrations throughout the book. And it's 50 stories, a couple of which were my friends like Dylan Orcott and Chantal gave a story, uh, my mate MC Wills, um, and many others who, who, and some horrific stories as well. Some real life tear jokes in that, that's just wrong. So we started off by distributing their book for free. So they sell it. We pass it on to the consumer, 100% of the revenue, not just the profit goes back to uh, Bumpum to help develop the product. They've now, we've helped them through advice in getting to the production stage of their first product called Joystick. So that's going to get launched on Disability Day, International Disability Day, 3rd of December, and pre-orders for distribution media 2022. And uh, I'm very confident Love Honey globally will be distributing that product for Bumpum. So again, where we've added expertise, uh, advice, and I'm one of their advisors on their board. And it's something which I will do day in, day out. Whilst I do 12, 14 hour days, you always will find the time to help them. So if you, depending on the, when this podcast goes live, but um, uh, Bumpum's gonna take over Love Honey's channel on social media on Disability Day and um, and also on the 10th of December uh, as well. So you'll see the new products. That's one element we're doing. The other element is with Dylan Alcott Foundation in, in providing grants for further education with it for disability students. Uh, we're also big supporters of Gold Coast Coast, Gold Coast Titans Disability Rugby League team. So we go down there we provide them with, like, I've got um, trademarks uh, with some rugby balls involved at a rugby club, just again to encourage them. But one of the major things, when I got interviewed recently for a, a, a big newspaper, they said, what's your most proudest moment? And they thought I, I would refer to winning the Aurea or I won retail mix that's walked by Retail Global in front of 800 leaders like the head of Bunnings, the head of Adore Beauty, Cats, they're all there. And I love how they run the excellence of retail for what we did with frontliners. So I'd interviewed and I said, what's the most, what's your, your, the highlight? And the highlight was 
one of our staff members who has Asperger's become a full-time member of staff. And that proud moment of him standing up and getting the kind of love honey shirt and beautiful. And that that's special. That's those kind of getting emotional talking about that pinch point moments where you know you've done good in, in life. It means a lot to me. It does. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Thank you for, for um yeah, thanks for doing that work. Um I know you like you kind of said this before, it's not really any business incentives, right? You kind of the reason why you kind of do it and the reason why we do it is because we're passionate about it and because we feel like it's the right thing to do um is to be inclusive and to be diverse and to you know start you know doing things ethically in terms of sourcing products and packages and things like that because you know that's that is the right thing to do right and there's and you know the the um yeah so the intent the incentives are 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 there like at that kind of federal level or that business kind of level but they're you know they're there internally and and kind of intrinsically from us so I, i definitely um yeah i'm definitely uh feel like that is the the value of um like love honey and the values that i really align with as well as like just doing things for the right fucking reasons absolutely and and where uh, when i was talking at a conference recently it's like we are such a privileged position you know we are market leaders as in the e-commerce community we are e-commerce is the future um as much as you know i feel for my retailers bricks and mortar Online is the future, and we should be using our position for good and, and uh, encouraging this. Why shouldn't we have equal proportions of people with an able body or disabilities working for you? There's no, there's absolutely zero reason not to. But I find it absolutely abhorrent at the moment where we went to a rather well known government help agency to recruit staff. And I said, we need 20 staff for Cyber Weekend, extra on top of what we normally do and for Christmas. And I want them, I want at least 25% to be um, from uh, non-abled origin. And they said, no. And I'm like, why? And they were like, um, because uh, you're in the sex industry and we can't give you staff because that's not a deemed profession to work in. And I went, what do you mean? And they gave me the definition. And because we're in vertical with the sex industry, uh, they deem us to have sex on premise. Now, I tell you what, if there was sex on premise, I'd be a happy man, but there's not because we ship boxes. We send products in a box around the country and internationally. And they're turning around to us going, you can't because you're in the wrong type. So what you're doing here is they, these actual government agencies are discriminating against the discriminated. Someone who's uh, not got a, a mental impairment, if they're just uh, a bodily, bodily impairment, how dare they question or prejudge that they can't make the decision about coming to work for a company like Lovely? We have um, a very good holistic lifestyle. We have flexible working relationships. We have our EAP programs, our uh, staff lunches. We have perk box. We have a whole plethora of free sex toys for all of our staff. Um, well, how how can a, a government agency turn around and say you can't work for them because you have a disability and they're in the sex industry? It's just ludicrous. So. 
again, being passionate, being this is a, one of my major drivers, I'm not letting this go. So I'm, I've got uh, Dinesh uh, Palapani, who's Queensland Australian of the Year. He's a disability doctor in the Gold Coast. Uh, he's brilliant. He's helping us go after the, getting reasons for the government. I've got the CEO of HELP who reached out to the Federal Minister for Employment to say this is just wrong. They agree it's completely wrong. I've gone to go see our local MP to say, mate, if you don't change this policy, we're going to go to press just before the election and highlight this hypocrisy. So far from it. Um, whilst we haven't been able to recruit anyone with disabilities for, for cyber and Christmas, I'm going to bloody well make sure that we change legislation so we can do in the future. And that's using my privileged position to, to make change for, for the future. So, yeah, if any MPs do listen to this, come out. <laughs> I'd be surprised if some MPs listen to this. That's pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> in my audience, that's cool. Um, look, man, I'm, I'm just mindful of time and I just want to say a huge thank you for, like, I know you're a busy man. I, I kind of heard the the notifications going off in the background every now and again. So I know you've got emails coming in and um, and you've got things to do. So I really appreciate you setting aside some time uh, to have a chat with me and just, you know, it's, it's lovely to connect. I know we've connected a few times and it's just lovely to kind of learn a bit more about you um, and um, just have a bit of a conversation. It's, it's um, thank you for, for having me uh, on your show. I mean, um, always make time for this because this, this is really one of the highlights of my job, being able to advocate what we do, why we do it, and how we do it. Um, and it is really, uh, it is a privilege to have you as part of the Love Funny family. Uh, what, what you do with um, our team uh, in Love Funny in, in Brizzy, uh, and what you help us to do for our, our customers um, is it, amazing. Um, uh, yeah, just, just being able to hear uh, have a laugh, be passionate, talk about being dads and in the industry. I think in years to come, people will look back and kind of go, this is normal. But it takes relationships like yours with Love Honey and what you're doing is to change people's mindset, to, to really share the, the, the moment, share the purpose. And I think collectively, we're going to do it. And, um, and we are doing it. So, yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. No worries, man. No worries. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind the scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.